You're listening to an audio message from The Well, a gospel-centered church family in Hastings, Nebraska that exists to grow disciples and glorify God. For more information, please visit www.thewellhastings.com. title this morning is The Steadfast Love of the Lord. We're going through the Psalms, as we all know, and we're at Psalm 33. And... Um, This all messed with me this week. I was, it's kind of weird as church activities go. Pastor Joe and I were in the basement this week and he was preparing the sermon for Two Pillars Church in Lincoln and I was preparing the sermon in another room for us this morning. And um, we decided to visit a little bit, have lunch together. And and, uh, he started talking about his passage and I started talking about my passage, and I said, well, I guess I'm going to have to get excited this week. Because this, this is a song, psalm of praise. It, it calls us to shout. It calls us to praise. It says, sing a new song. And I'm just sitting there going, like, how in the world am I going to be able to do that? So wrestling through, preparing. I've got notes here. and But I really pray that or at least tell you what I'm feeling on my heart, is that this might be more of a testimony, personal testimony. And if you could listen graciously and and maybe enter in, in your own heart, between you and the Lord, and just do a heart check. Where are you? Um, I could be humorous and get too silly, or I could cry like a, like I'm watching a Hallmark commercial. Oh, it's so, it's so wonderful. I don't know what's going to happen this morning. I want to keep it tight. But I don't want to just go through a robotic motion this morning. Um, I teach school. I get paid to make presentations. Spent thousands of hours giving lessons. And you can just pop it into robot mode sometimes. And the Holy Spirit has nothing to do with that. I don't want that. So I ask that you privately pray as we, as we go to the Word of God. And um, just see how this turns out. See how this ministers to you. See how it ministers to me. I want to read the first, I think, three verses and then uh, do a little hands-on illustration. First uh, verse in our passage. I don't, want to, I don't want to stand and read the whole thing. It'll take too long. I just want to go verse by verse and make comments as we go today. And then we'll end with a prayer. First verse says, shout for joy in the Lord, O you righteous. Praise befits, that's a funny word, ESV has befits. I thought, uh, I thought we got rid of those King James words, but uh, praise befits the upright. It's talking about you, church. You're righteous. You've been made upright. He calls us to give thanks to the Lord with the liar. Now, that's not someone that tells lies. That's an ancient type of, I think, a ten-stringed instrument. And um, we have a ten-stringed instrument down in the basement. Praise the Lord with the lyre. Make melody to him with the harp of ten strings. Sing a new song. Play skillfully on the strings. I think this would be a good life verse for a worship leader. How do you play? Show up for practice. We've got to play skillfully for the Lord. Work on your skills. Play skillfully with the, on the strings with loud shouts. Now, I almost didn't do this this morning. I know Joe would be cool with it, but I want to do this. Had this all set up in the back, and then somebody moved the cooler and spilled it all over. I should have told him. There's that. There's that. This is God. That's our heart. I was talking to TJ the other day about motorcycles, and our family has entered the motorcycle world. My son bought a Honda Shadow. Uh, I'm concerned because the front tire's bald and he's riding around in shorts. So safety might be a thing we need to discuss. I've referred him to Pastor Joe to please, please get this uh, 
guy on the right track before he kills himself. But as we we're talking about uh, motorcycles, uh, TJ was telling me that uh, motorcycles have a, a regular tank and then a reserve tank. And I was listening to a podcast today about ministry and living. And he said, you know what? When it comes to energy, we all have a tank of energy. We, only ha we have so much fuel that we go about working every day with. And when things get tough, you have to go into your reserve tank. And TJ was telling me, you don't want to get to the reserve tank. You don't want to be out in the middle of nowhere and be, uh, be right on the edge on your reserve tank. And so I was thinking, you know, this is, how, this is how I am sometimes. Here's my regular tank. And I go, and I go, and the Lord says, you need to rest a little bit. Fill my tank up. And I go, you need, if, you, if you pray to me, if you praise me, if you rest in me, I'll fill up your tank. But you know what I do? I go, I go, I go. And I think I'm out. No, I've got a reserve tank and nothing's changed. I just start going on my reserve tank. So I go and I go and I go. And guys, it's easy for me to talk and say, this is how I was. This is uh, something I've learned and I've got victory over it. And I'm never going to do that again. But this is where I am. You ever feel that way? You just go, and you just go, and red flags start popping up, and you start to feel this just kind of low-grade fatigue until you're out, and you're on the side of the road, and you're hoofing it down to the gas station saying, why don't I learn? I was reading this psalm, and it told me to shout and to praise and to sing. Problem was, I didn't feel like shouting. I didn't feel like doing what the Bible tells me to do. So it says praise is a good thing for upright people to do. It just makes sense. If you've actually seen God, you're crazy if you don't express yourself positively. We had the football game for Isaac the other day. Wow, Isaac, you're in the sermon a lot today. Um, Will, where are we at on time? I think I'm just burning up time. You're fine. Don't worry about it. What? All right. So we had the all-star game over here at Adams Central, and uh, here's my son, and he's on the defensive end, and nothing is more exciting for a guy on defense and a dad to see a quarterback get sacked. They just need it. They just, you know, they have that attitude, I'm a quarterback. They just, they just need it. And so I'm cheering for my son to drill the quarterback. Can I keep talking about you, Isaac? Is that okay? All right. So uh, he came around the end, and he came after the quarterback, and the quarterback made a nice incomplete pass. Didn't stop Isaac. He just went ahead and drilled the quarterback. 15 yards, personal foul. I'm going, that's my kid. Awesome. <laughs> Man, it's easy to cheer for a football game, and it's good and it's fun. But I got in my car yesterday as I was wrestling through this message, and I just said, I got to get alone because if I try to obey this, I don't want to be a hypocrite. It's a shout, Donnie. It says, Praise God. And when my tank is empty and my reserves tank is empty, I'm sitting there searching and I'm used asking this question Give me a good reason, God. See, I know the Sunday school answers, and I know the preacher answers, and I know the Bible verses, but my heart says, give me a good reason, God. I don't know if you ever feel this way, but this is just where I am. Maybe a little bit where I was. This, uh, preparing a message is a, is a good thing. Gets me out of the ditch and wakes me up and gets me where I should be. So I got in the car and just started driving, and I go, like, Okay, window's up. No one's going to hear me. I'm on the edge of town. No one's going to see me. Shout for the Lord, O oh, you righteous. Give thanks to the Lord. Thank you, God. Is that a shout? Thank you, God. 
really, in my heart, I could barely get the words out sincerely. And I don't know if my shout came out really like praise. It was more like just forcing. Here we get the toothpaste tube empty where you just have to squeeze and squeeze just to get a little bit out. I'm like, thank you, God. Thank you, God. Praise you, God. There. You know, I'm really sorry that that's where my, my heart has gotten. I started working on my heart. And, and I went to Carm, and I just said, Carm, I'm just struggling over this message. I said, help me out. Do you have any wisdom? And she said, just be honest and speak from your heart. So I'm trying to do that this morning. It says, sing to him a new song. I love the new song that we're singing right now. The government is on his shoulders. Our God is in control. Praise fills up our tanks, and praise gives us something new to sing about. Praise breaks us out of just the old mantra, the old uh, repeated songs, the, the old things that, uh, that maybe have lost their heart. You say, we have a new song. I have a new reason to sing. I can really praise the God because I feel a renewal in my heart and I just can't hold it in. Praise the Lord and shout for joy. So that's personal stuff. You know, to be careful about some of the external stuff that uh, maybe some of us are, are struggling with um, that's happened um, in our society and in our community this week. But it's messing me up. Um, re recently was talking to Josh Reynolds on the phone, leader of FCA, Central Nebraska and Eastern Nebraska, and uh, just looking at, at their ministry in FCA, and, and a friend of mine referred Josh to me and said we should talk, and uh, so Josh gave me a call and said, hey, I don't know you, you don't know me, but let's get together and talk. And I said, that's great, when do you want to do it? And they said, well, I'm going out of town for a little bit with my family. When I get back into town, I'll call you. And I never got a phone call. Literally this week I was thinking, well, I guess, uh, I guess Josh and I aren't going to meet. And then Pastor Joe sent the, sent the post out saying that uh, here's this man in our community that served the Lord faithfully all his life. Four beautiful children, wonderful wife, serving the Lord. Starts to feel strange in his heart, in his chest. Goes to his car and calls his wife and passes away. I think about those four kids this morning. Are they praising? Are they singing a new song? Do they have things to give thanks to the Lord for? Sometimes life just hits us, doesn't it? I think in our society where uh, Roe v. Wade was overturned this week, almost 50 years of legalized abortion in the United States. I looked it up and it's over 63 million abortions have occurred since Roe v. Wade was made legal. 63 million. America doesn't have any right to, to look down our nose at, at Nazi Germany during the Holocaust. You see, right now, we're going to be grandparents for the first time in Albuquerque, New Mexico. is where my, where my son and daughter-in-law live. And the baby's in the third trimester. And uh, most abortion clinics in the United States will not perform abortions in the third trimester because it's just too grisly. But it's been legal since 1973. Most people don't know that. Now that we have 3D imaging and we can undeniably see this is truly a unique individual. This is a baby. Getting sustenance from its mother just the way it does after it's born, right? No baby can live on its own without its mother after it's born fingerprints and a heartbeat and a, and a family resemblance that you could even see on their face. Oh, that's, that's, that's mama's nose. That's, 
It's, it's daddy's eyes. Albuquerque, New Mexico is one of the few places in the United States that will actually carry out late-term abortions. I know where the clinic is. I used to drive by it weekly. The doctor flies in from California because they can't get anybody local that's willing to stoop so low as to do what they do in that so-called clinic. Now it's turned over to the states, and I'm sure New Mexico will, will keep it legal. And uh, praise God that at some level, our nation has finally said no. At some level. We may have weaked out and said, well, it's a state's right issue, not a federal issue. Yeah, right. It's a moral issue. It's wrong. We should stand up and say, not only should this be wrong, but we should care for unplanned pregnancies before they're born and after they're born and make adoption as easy as possible that children that will be put into safe homes and, and be truly for life at all stages. The 63 million? I, I, I just don't feel like waving the flag and saying hallelujah. I just went, well, thank you, Lord, but I'm so sorry that as a nation, the blood is still on our hands. Third thing that's been messing with my mind is, as we used to be very active in the pro-life um, ministry and actually uh, weekly participated in a, in a uh, pregnancy center on site that uh, would go to a, uh, a, uh, an abortion clinic in Fort Worth, Texas, and uh, would be a, a, a bridge from that parking lot to a local pregnancy center and actually saw ladies change their mind and even months later come back I remember one lady came back in her white SUV and uh, she said I just want to show you something here's the baby that I had planned to abort at this clinic and remember that prayer we had together of course we remember that prayer It takes a lot of nerve to go out onto a public place between a gas station and an abortion clinic and a street and figure out where the property lines are and what the local laws are. And, uh, but we do that, and one of the leaders of that ministry has since not only shifted away from believing that abortion is wrong, she now very actively says it's right and should be happening, but she also denies Christ. And she was all over Facebook this week saying what a horrible thing it is that Roe v. Wade was overturned. That's personal. Come on. A friend of mine also uh, that I went to seminary with has deconstructed his faith and no longer actually attends a church, but a church that is in favor of abortion. And he's on Facebook saying, how horrible it is that this law has been overturned. And I'm just going, here's the people that should be standing for what's right. Here is a government that should never allow this to be legal. And then over here is this random thing that happens where a daddy in his 40s has a heart attack, and now we've got a wife and four kids home alone. Sometimes it gets hard to praise God, doesn't it? Sometimes it gets hard to be happy. But you know what? There's a reason to be happy this morning. And since yesterday, a happiness is starting to, to, to grow back into my heart and a, a freshness starting to grow back in my heart and a new song is starting to come out of my lips. And I want to share you because it's because of Psalm 33 that no matter what the circumstances are, whether personal things or random acts of, of heart attacks or some government action that just stirs with your, with your joy, you can still praise God this morning. And guess what? The Bible knows that you struggle because of this word, verse 4. Can we look at verse 4, Isaac? What's the first word of verse 4? Church, the first word of verse 4 is? 4. 
That means, I want to give you a reason why you can praise God. I put His excellent character. And before that title, we could have put, you can praise God because of His excellent character. Listen to this, the word of the Lord. For the word, everyone say word. Of the Lord, O you righteous, oh, oh, for the word of the Lord is upright, and, and all his work, everyone say work. work, and all his work is done in faithfulness. He loves, church say loves, he loves righteousness and justice. God's character is that everything his word says, everything his work does, and everything his love feels is good and righteous our God everything he says everything he does and everything he feels is good your God is good when governments go crazy when the church goes sideways when friends let you down and even when heart attacks show up God is still good and I'm thinking if the Reynolds kids were in this room right now what does the word of God say to them well, pastorally, we probably just should be quiet. And when somebody that goes through that kind of pain, think of the time when you've gone through pain. Sometimes you just need to be quiet. You don't really need advice. You just need to process. And when you're ready, you might say, well, well what does the word of the Lord say? Well, here's the news, if you can get to it. And that's where we're headed this morning. No matter what, God is good. God is good. When you experience loss, God is good. When you have chronic pain, God is good. When you're overwhelmed with just life in general, God is good. When you feel condemnation from what you've done in the past, God is good. When you lose hope for your future, know this. There's one thing that doesn't change. There is a God, and he is good. Everything he says is upright. Everything he does, because he loves righteousness. And he's not a generic universal force. So much of what is, see, people are very spiritual today, aren't they? You can go to, to friends uh, where you work and you can talk about spiritual things, but if you want to say, yes, there is a spiritual a reality is true, but when you go from, well, the universe will reward you for the good that you do. You hear that on podcasts and, and read it in self-help books all the time. Do good and the universe will balance itself out. Well, guess what? The universe has a creator, and the creator has a name, and his name is Father. Say it again, brother. God. God. It's a real person with real characteristics, with a real personality. And his personality is everything I say is good, everything I do is good, and I am a God with personality and emotions. I love God righteousness and justice and then it says the earth is full of steadfast love of the steadfast love of the lord the earth is full of the steadfast love of the lord the word steadfast love is a hebrew word and i can't say it right uh kh in hebrew is kind of like you clear your throat saying k and h at the same time said not that good at hebrew but the Hebrew word kased is hard to translate. Um, Tim Mackey was teaching about the word kased, this word, um, what is it, steadfast love. He said it describes the relational and active love that God has for his people. Some translations translate it unfailing love. Some translations call it loving kindness. Some translations call it faithful love. 
The first time in the Bible that God's character is revealed is in Exodus 34, 6, and it says, The Lord passed before him, Moses, and proclaimed this, quote, The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful, gracious, slow to anger, abounding in chesed, steadfast love and faithfulness. Your God has a personality. Your God has a core nature. Is God a God of wrath? He certainly is. When a little innocent life that's been created in innocence and beauty is legally torn apart and extinguished, there's reason to be angry about some things, isn't there? When beauty is destroyed, there's reason to be angry. But at the core of our God, the Holy Trinity, that was from ages past to ages to come, the Holy Trinity, God the Father, God the Spirit, and God the Son, were not in their Trinity filled with wrath. They were filled with love. And nothing had daunted or broken or twisted that love yet. And so there was nothing to have wrath. Wrath is a response to the brokenness mankind brings to our beautiful God. The God whose character at its core is a character of mercy and grace, a slowness to anger, one that exhibits steadfast love and faithfulness. This doesn't matter what kind of day I have. This is who he is. And it's one reason why I can praise God. And the earth is full of it. Everywhere you look, the earth is full of this steadfast, loving kindness, this beautiful, unfailing love. Had a chance to go up and see a fossil dig recently. Plans are that I teach eighth grade science in Grand Island next year, and so they invited the science teachers to go up north of Grand Island. I didn't know this until a few months ago, but one of the best discoveries of fossilized animals in the world is like an hour and 45 minutes, two hours north of Grand Island. It's called Ash Falls. I didn't know about this. Uh, it's so amazing that instead of removing the fossils and taking them to a museum, they built a museum over the fossils. full-sized, complete, fossilized skeletons of camels in Nebraska. Baby rhinoceroses right beside their mamas. Full, three-toed horses of different sizes. And, uh, yeah, I believe God is our creator, and I believe he, think, he spoke things into existence. But this is crazy. This is amazing of what has gone extinct over the life of our earth. And uh, they actually dug into the cliff and you can see where the soil layer is. And then there's a, another like a clay layer. And then there's an ash layer of volcanic ash. And you can actually take the volcanic ash and you, you, you crumble it and you go, and it's like glitter, it just floats in the air. And then underneath of it is a solid sandstone, and then down at the bottom is shale. At every single layer are different kinds of fossils. Some no fossils are found, but in other layers, they find tropical trees that are only found in a tropical environment. North of Grand Island, full-size turtles, complete fossil, this tall, that you only find on the Galapagos Islands, complete fossil right there, 30 feet down in Nebraska. What? Another layers that show nothing but grass seeds and blades of prairie grass. And I just think, Lord, through your flood, through the ages since you created the world, I'm just blown away at your creation. And my mind categories are just blown away at thinking right there north of Grand Island is uh, every baby rhinoceros that they found was right beside its mama. And what they, what they made very obvious is that the sandstone beneath the ash formed a depression like the floor of a pond, like the, like the bottom of a pond. 
and um, they have found this ash layer in other states all the way back to Idaho. And uh, the theory is, is that there was a giant volcanic eruption, kind of like Mount St. Helens that happened what, back in the 70s or 80s. And it came floating down and the animals ran to the watering hole trying to stay alive. And that's where they all congregated together and, and died. And then ash fell on top of them and they were perfectly preserved. So well preserved that some of them are not even fossils. It's still bone material. It hasn't even been replaced by minerals. It's still the actual bone of the actual animal. Amazing, amazing. And you know what? No matter where you go in this creation, there is God's unfailing love. No matter what strata you go in paleontology, God was overseeing it in love. No matter where you go in continent to continent, God's love is there. The earth is full of God's steadfast love. If we go to verse 6, we see that we have reason to praise because of his power over creation. Verse 6 says, by the word of the Lord, the word of the Lord, by what he said, this passage begins with word and ends with spoke. Let's listen to it together. By the word of the Lord, the heavens were made, and by the breath of his mouth, all their host. He gathers the waters of the sea as a heap. Another version of the Bible, I think the NIV calls it, he puts the waters in jars. He puts the waves of the sea in jars. <laughs> he puts the deeps in storehouses. What does this mean, poetically saying? He, he, he puts the waters of the sea in a heap, and he, deep, he puts the deeps of the, of the ocean in storehouses. You've gone to the ocean, and you see the waves coming. And you see when the tide goes down and when the tide comes up and you just stand there and you just think of the awesome power of the tides and the constant motion of the waves. And then you hear about the, the, the trenches that go down deep where there's, there's creatures that uh, have never been seen except by this uh, special high-tech submarine. And you think, mystery. And God says, no, I can't put it on a shelf. I'll stick it in the shed. I will put the oceans in a heap. I'll pile it up like a pile of corn, and I'll stick it in the shed like it's harvest. Nothing is mysterious for God. Nothing is out of his reach. Nothing is so deep that his love is not there. Nothing is so powerful that, it's out of, that God is out of control. He gathers the waters of the sea as a heap. He puts the deeps in storehouses. Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him. You ever been to the mountains and you just stand back and you look at the grandeur and you just go, God, you're awesome. This is why we can praise God, because he has power over all creation. For he spoke and it came to be. He commanded and it stood firm. Verse 10 says, his authority is over the nations. We can praise him because he has authority over the nation. Verse 10 says, The Lord brings the counsel of the nations to nothing. He frustrates the plans of the people. The counsel of the Lord stands forever. The plans of his heart to all generations. I was watching a documentary about the wealthy people back at the turn of the century like the uh, uh, like Roosevelt, John Roosevelt, and J.P. Morgan, and um, these other men that were ahead of steel industry and the railroad industry and all of the uh, the uh, oil, standard oil, and the power that they they said literally there was about five men that shaped the history of the United States. That in modern day terms, uh, one of them was worth sixty billion dollars. And they would talk about how they would scheme and how they would, how they would gather power together and they would buy one another out and they'd build these monopoly, monopolies until finally the federal governments came in and busted them up because they were getting so much power that even the federal government uh, couldn't stop them on what they were doing. Uh, working situations in factories were horrible. People were dying because of lack of safety rules and it was just out of control. Funny thing is, is that, uh, what is it? Uh, is it Carnegie that owns Standard Oil? Um, 
the government busted up Standard Oil into Shell and Exxon and, and uh, these, huh? these, other, these other companies, and each one of them uh, expanded more than before, and he got even richer than when he was just had it all monopolized. Crazy amounts of money. And you know what happened? They all died. You know who didn't die? Your God. The schemers of corporate business, the schemers of our government, they can do all that they want to. Does it alter God's plan? Does it change what he's doing? He can either stop it or use it for his glory. God is in, in control of the government. God is in control of business. God is in control of every plan of every powerful man. The counsel of the Lord stands forever. The plans of his heart to all generations. And verse 12 says, Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord, the people whom he has chosen as his heritage. I want to stop here and say something controversial. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. It's not talking about America. It's talking about Christians. Let me explain. When this was written in the time of the Psalms, we were under the Old Testament way of worshiping. And God poured out his love and his grace and his blessing and his laws on one country called Israel. We know this. And Israel followed this beautiful plan and failed most of the time. And finally, a new age came and God says, I'm not going to work through political power anymore. I'm not going to have a theocracy like you're thinking anymore. I'm going to change it into the church. And guess what? There's a verse in the Bible that makes this really clear. There's lots of them. But 1 Peter 2.9 says, but you are a chosen race. We're not talking about natural race, church. We're talking about a spiritual race. You are a royal priesthood. Kingly intercession you are a holy nation if there is a theocracy unquote it's you it's the well it's other churches this is a government this is a spiritual system that god says rather than being one little country in the middle east in ancient history now i'm going to go worldwide with a with a with a an organism a family a place that has order and beauty and power and love and light and ability to transform that's under the radar of every race. It's under the radar. Maybe we say it's over and above every government, every people, every system is something much more powerful. The church of Jesus Christ. You're a holy nation. Should the church and Christians influence laws and governments Absolutely. Praise God, Roe v. Wade got overturned. Praise God. But our hope, our hope for spiritual renewal is not in government or in patriotism. As good as that is, there's something much more powerful. It's the church. It's the church. All right, no more controversial stuff said. I don't know, man. This feeling more like a sermon than a testimony. Where are we at on time, Will? You're supposed to interrupt me. Are you serious? Oh, man. What, what's the number? 41. All right. Let's button this up, you guys. Verse 18 says... We have a God whose heart is for his people. Behold, the eye of the Lord is on those who fear him, on those who hope in his steadfast love. There's that word again, that steadfast love, that loving kindness, that he may deliver their soul from death and keep them alive in famine. See, we've been talking about God as this amazing distant creator, and we can rejoice in that. And we can talk about this God that's powerful enough to be over all the governments and systems of man. And that's great. And he looks down and he sees and he governs and he controls all things. But you know who he has his eye on? The psalm shifts right now and it gets personal. He says, the eye of the Lord is on those that fear him. Are you awestruck by your God? 
Do you hope in his steadfast love? He has his eye on you. When you've had a week that's just sweaty. We're talking in the sink meeting, it was, how was your week? And one of us said, my week was sweaty. Somebody else said, well, my week was overwhelming. Well, how are you feeling? Well, I was fine, but I ripped out my pants. <laughs> are you awestruck by your God? He says, I'm looking at you, daughter. Got my eye on you, son. I want to deliver you from death, and I want to keep you alive in famine. And I just think of the children without a daddy this morning saying, I, th I thought you were going to deliver us from death. What are you talking about, God? And my fear this morning is this, is that when we get into situations where our God doesn't seem so loving after all, he doesn't seem as steadfast as he said he was. That his loving kindness lets a daddy die and leaves us homeless. What do you say then? What do you say then? God says, I'm going to deliver you from death. I'm going to deliver you from famine. It's what I do. It's coming. It's coming. And when a, a teenager is to a point where they say, can we talk about God now? And you say, listen. Right now, daddy still die. And right now, atrocities still happen. But there is a God who said, I will do everything it takes to stop it. There is a time coming where there will be no more famine. There is a time coming when there will be no death. And guess what? Josh Reynolds is not in the past tense. Josh Reynolds is praising God the way he was here times infinity. Josh Reynolds is in the present tense. And you can go to someone in the throes of crazy crisis, and when they're ready to receive, say, guess what? Your God has purposely allowed this into your life. As hard as that is to hear, to remind you this earth is not your home. That there's something better than the brokenness of this world. Don't put your trust in this finite situation that we're in. Don't put your trust in nations. Don't put your trust in ethnicities. Don't put your trust in your plans. Put your trust in the man with the plan that will never end. And now you have an opportunity, young person, to go forward and say, guess what? I both grieve and I rejoice, but I will not just... just deconstruct my faith because I lost someone I love. I believe it even more. Now there's an opportunity to speak and to be honest about brokenness and be honest about love and to be honest about the fact that there is something where, yes, I live in a world where love is not steadfast, where love is not kind. It's all twisted and all broken, but I believe in a God that he exudes throughout all the earth his loving kindness, his unfailing love, his never-failing affection for his people. And at his core, he says, I have compassion on you, people. I care for you, people. My eye is on you, sons and daughters. And I'm bringing you to a place where there will be no more death, no more disappointment, no more lack. Live by faith in the one who will never fail you, regardless of what happens in your life. And young person, now you have an opportunity to preach and to testify and to number your days. And you may say, well, I'm only 15. Well, you may live to 75. You have 60 years to tell the world of the greatness of your God. And then, boom, you're going to see two people, Jesus and your dad. 
I think of Johnny Erickson Tata, who's in her 70s. And when she was a teenager, she dove into the lake and broke her neck. And she went through this crazy time of doubt. And she finally emerged by saying, if I'm going to have to live like this, she said, I was so powerless, I couldn't even kill myself. And I tried many times, and I couldn't. Now what? And since she, was, she had the accident when she's like 18 years old or 17 years old, and now she's in her 70s, and she's just a glowing force of love reflecting the loving kindness of her loving kind God, the unfailing love of her unfailing loving God. She turned a broken neck into a ministry. And God says, turn your sweaty week into a ministry. Turn your overwhelming schedule into a ministry. Somehow get to a place, preacher boy, where you can say, my tank's empty. Now what, God? Fill it up. Praise me. See, I don't feel like it. Well, let me tell you something. I'm in absolute total control of all the universe. Does that impress you at all? You cheer for a sacked quarterback. Can you not cheer for me controlling the tides? He said, but, but our government's out of control. I'm over the governments. My plan is on track. Can you not cheer for that? But Lord, I don't know if you care. My eye is on you. Are you, are you impressed at all with who I am? Are you awestruck by me? Well, now that you mention it, Yes. <laughs> and it's almost like this little, this little kindling fire out in the campsite where you're trying to get the wet wood to, to light on fire and it starts to get a little bit dry and this little flicker of praise starts to grow and it starts saying, okay, Lord, even if I'm in the car all alone and I'm not standing before people, I can go, thanks. Does that count? Praise you. And everything changes here in verse 20. Listen, we've been talking about God and his power far away. And now it gets personal. Suddenly, the pronouns. Are you, are you an English teacher? The pronouns are about ready to change. We're going first person. We're going second person. Now, from the eye of the Lord is upon those that fear him. Oh, that's wonderful over there. Now he says, our, 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 my, our, us, church, our soul waits for the Lord. He is our help and he is our shield for our heart is glad in him because we trust in his holy name. God is not just over there. We're not alone. We have a connection with this amazing universal force called dad. And verse 22 is the best. The person writing this psalm, probably David, turns and speaks right to this powerful God, right to this universal force. And he speaks directly to this person. And he said, can you do this, church? Can you join with the word of the Lord? Can you get on your knees or can you go driving alone and can you go let your steadfast love, O oh Lord, be upon us even as we hope in you. He's not far away. He's both. He's running the show over the governments and over all races and ethnicities and over all history. He knows exactly where the stars are and what they're doing. Everything, every strata beneath our feet, everywhere is filled with his cassette. His unfailing, undying, unwavering. And the best definition I heard of cassette is his loyal love. Don't you like loyalty in your family? You like your wife to be loyal to you, Will? Jen, do you like your husband to be loyal? Isn't it wonderful to have loyalty within family where you've got people that have your back? Well, guess what? God's cassette means I've got your back and there's nothing that can stop me. 
And there's nothing that will change my plan. And whether you young and experienced lost or you're older and you've experienced loss, guess what? The day is coming. You that fear me, you that are awestruck by me, you that trust in me, where my cassette will come into full bloom and you will never know death and you will never know famine anymore. And for Josh Reynolds, he's tasting it and dancing in it right now. And everybody close to him can grieve and rejoice. And be encouraged to know this. Man, this thought just came into my mind. I don't even want to say it. If God is over all of creation and over all governments and he's got his eye on us, there was a reason why Josh passed away this week. God hates sin, and he hates the results of broken, broken, this broken world. He hates heart attacks. He hates brain cancer. He hates disease. But he can use our brokenness to launch his kingdom forward and give his people something to rejoice in when all the world is losing hope and deconstructing. Oh, Lord, let your steadfast love, O oh Lord, be upon us. We have a relationship with a person, not a force. That's God's character. You know what? God's character is expressed in person by an individual. I love the King James way it says this in Hebrews chapter 1, speaking of Jesus. If our God has compassion and he has steadfast love and he's loyal, and if he's faithful. Those are character traits. Jesus is the embodiment of God's character traits. And everything we see in Kassed is brought into flesh and blood in the life and person of Jesus Christ, who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high, being made so much better than the angels as he has by inheritance attained a more excellent name. The name, the title, the identity, the authority given to our God is above all. We call him Jesus, the Alpha and the Omega, the coming Messiah, the Christ, the anointed one, our Savior, our friend, our husband, our spouse, our prophet, our priest, our king. I wrote down as closing this line of an old hymn. I really identify with it. And I was encouraged by this, by this psalm, and this really brought it into focus. One thing I love about the Well Church is that we're, we're willing to be honest. It seems like the more a person's willing to be honest about brokenness, the more excited their praise is. Have you noticed that? This old Puritan wrote this line, weak is the effort of my heart and cold my warmest thought. But when I see thee as thou art, this old Puritan living in foggy England, no wonder they're depressed. But when I see thee as thou art, I'll praise thee as I ought. Church, are you ready to praise him as we ought? Let's pray. Father in heaven, we just want to see you. I want to be reminded of who you actually are. I get so short-sighted, Lord. I get wrapped up in crisis mode, overwhelm, fatigue. You understand that. That's why you've given us Sabbath. You understand that because just like the name of our church, the well, uh, you sat down on that well because you're tired. You talked with the Samaritan woman.
You understand what it's like to be tired. You understand what it's like to be human. And I pray that for myself and for anyone that identifies with this psalm, that we can contemplate the the realities of who you are. Nothing, nothing, God, is out of control. And when things come into our life that hurt, you're not far away thinking, uh, just grin and bear it. You're not far away thinking, uh, tough luck. It's the way it is. You know pain. You know pain. Young people experience loss or when elderly, by definition, experience loss. Our heart just cries out saying, God, do you even care? Where are you? Do you care? Of course you care. Think of when the, the spikes were driven through your hands. We think when your naked body was lifted up and the, and the cross fell like a thud into the post hole that it was propped up in. And as your body surged under the weight, sunk under the weight, and you started to speak, you started to minister even from that place of shame and pain. You cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? You cried out, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Each one of us, Lord, if I dare try to speak for us, struggle to minister in our pain. And we fail at that. And there's many times when we should have praised you, but because we hurt, or because we doubted, because we were tired, we just wouldn't. But you did. And I'm glad, Jesus, you're not just our example, but you're our replacement. You do encourage us and you do inspire us, Lord, but praise be to God. You replaced us. We should have been on the cross, but you're there instead. We should have been crying out, but you did instead. Jesus, I think about when you called your father God. And then before you were gone, you called your God Father once again. That for anybody right now that's listening, that just kind of feels like uh, my Heavenly Father, he's just God to me right now. He's kind of distant and I don't feel his steadfast love right now. That we'll be reminded that's a lie from the enemy. That even that doubt is covered by his love. I feel like, Lord, I've slipped into a sermon instead of a testimony this morning. Went longer than I wanted to. But Lord, I pray that you would speak to your people anyway. That you would draw their hearts into praise. That the knowledge of no matter what happens, you're in complete control. And that your loving eye is upon every single person that cries out to you. And even as we shift gears right now into the communion, Father, I pray that... uh, Just be reminded of the foundational stone that we as Christians stand on. That this bread represents your body that was broken. This juice represents the blood that was spilled out.
and that's happened for us categorically, and as we do it, it happens for us. Uh, practically speaking, we're reminded of, of who we are and why we're here. So I pray for each, each heart. Pray for our church as we move forward. Pray for Joe as he's preaching right now. I guess just finish with this last statement. Lord, may we be reminded that the thing that refreshes our soul to praise is turning away from our problems and looking to you, the one that has all problems under your control. And you're leading us on purpose. You're guiding us strategically and nothing is out of control. And that we're free to mourn, we're free to cry, we're even free to doubt. Because underneath is your love. Underneath is your power. Underneath is your strength. And you never leave us and you never forsake us. And I pray that the truth of your amazing gospel message will help your people sing a new song. In your name I pray. Amen. You're listening to an audio message from The Well, a gospel-centered church family in Hastings, Nebraska that exists to grow disciples and glorify God. For more information, please visit www.thewellhastings.com.